Good evening and welcome to the preseason edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Hello, everybody. It's finally uh, finally game week. It is. It is game week. We are five days away from uh, kickoff for the JMU 2018 JMU season and really excited. I, I, I obviously am very fortunate and very excited to have them down here, but I know all Dukes fans everywhere always excited to start with a big game like NC State. Um, we, Rob and I are just thrilled. We are, we're almost going to be overly excited tonight. Um, I made my annual party city trip today to, uh, for streamers, streamers and purple cops. Yeah, exactly. So we're definitely getting, getting ready to go. As always, we are brought to you by pale fire brewing company from in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Um, it is that time. We got a beer of the week coming up on Friday on the, on the, on the old blog. Oh yeah. <laughs> I even wrote on it yesterday. So yeah, <laughs> hopefully we're going to have a little more content on there this week. Uh, we'll definitely have a link to this episode, but we'll also, we may have some writing up there as well in advance of the game. And then on Friday, we will have the thing that probably got us started all those years ago, our game week previous. So looking forward to having everybody interact back on there and Really looking forward to seeing a bunch of Dukes on Saturday. I'm still hoping to make the Friday night event, but not sure. Uh, but we'll definitely be tailgating on Saturday morning and looking forward to seeing lots of Dukes on Saturday. Um, before we get started tonight, we are going to do four downs. We're going to do four downs of really what we're most looking forward to this season. We're going to do a couple concerns uh, that were either con- things we're concerned about or I guess interested in heading into NC State slash the season. And then we're going to give our season predictions, at least the regular season version. And we've got an overtime as Rob managed to uh, start some beef this week on Twitter. So we'll, we'll imagine that. Out. Yes. So before we um, and and speaking of that, a couple other things just on the as we're fired up front because we are we're ready to uh, go root on Saturday. Everybody out there, another we are not going to talk about the pit lock the gates poster. Um, for everyone out there, leave it alone. All right. There's oh, a... please. Right. I mean, it's just crazy. And, and full disclosure, Todd and I, you know, are, are friendly with Zach, um, who did some amazing work when he was at JMU. And now he's up at Pitt doing some great work for Pitt. People accusing him of stealing the slogan and just, I mean, come <laughs> on. It's crazy. It's <laughs> yeah. crazy. But that's something I... that Pitt has done. I don't follow Pitt football that much. Um, so right. I'm not up on all their stuff, but they clearly have been doing this for a while. They've got signs in the locker room. I did think it was really cool though, that one of the guys that was kind of playfully ribbing Zach about it yep. pulled kind of the ultimate Mio culpa on Twitter and was kind of like, oh, no, my bad. I didn't realize it. Like, it was yes. all in good fun to begin with. But yes, that was just people were like <laughs> people misunderstood the folks giving Zach a good natured, good time. You always <laughs> worry about kind of the collateral damage or, or the, the yes. people jumping in from the side who are like, you know, the, the punks in the bar who see, see the fight then kick somebody on the way out sort of thing. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the the media on. people do not choose the slogan for the team poster. No. So, um, yes, that, that was definitely comical. Um, yeah, it was. It love was. you, Zach, wherever you are. Um, and it, it, but it was. It was really cool, though, that the people who saw what happened and that people yeah. were piling on immediately jumped in. were like, whoa, 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 whoa. My bad. Let's knock this off. So that was cool. Cool all around. It's kind of yes, funny. Little yes. Thing. And then, Rob, I saw a pumpkin ranger in the beer aisle tonight oh it is august 27th people stop it yeah i I don't care what day it is just stop it with that but that's something we've made our feelings well known on but um, yes do yourself a favor and go get some pale fire skinny dentists they're kind of light yes named after one of the best written songs of all time la freeway um go get skinny dentists and make yourself happy you can save the pumpkin for halloween night yeah. Okay. Yes. So with that, it is just Rob and I tonight because we really want to do a full excited uh, preseason preview or preseason preview, uh, season preview. Season preview. Yes. Yeah. Now we're done with the preseason. It is game week. So Rob, we on the four downs, you want to take the first down of what we are most looking forward to this season. Most looking forward to, I, I hope this doesn't come across as me as like a cop out or anything. Um, I'm just really excited to see how quickly things come together. On, on both sides of the ball. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I don't mean to like no, couch I, things or anything, but like, we've got a lot. You could either be worried about it or you could be excited. I, I'm yeah. excited. You know, we've got a new QB. Um, several new guys are going to need to be uh, catching the ball, playing receiver, um, an experienced offensive line, but a young offensive line, and you know, replacing 
one of the, the better offensive linemen in recent history for the program. Um, a bunch of really good running backs, but we don't know what this offense is, is going to be like, um, particularly with the QB battle. Like Different QBs have different strengths. We could see maybe more of a pro set or downfield type attack if Cole wins, and mm-hmm. it might be a little more similar to last year or maybe even two years ago with right. the dynamic elements if, if Danucci wins. Um, last year, something that you and I harped on was the offense seemed to do just enough. Uh, people mm-hmm. complained that they weren't lining up the scoreboard, but most games were never really in question, and the offense – would just kind of plot it out, then in the end, rattle off two big drives, and you'd look at the stats and be like, wow, we won by three touchdowns and outgain them by 150 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to see if it's going to be that sort of way, if mm-hmm. Houston is just going to let the defense do what it does and play kind of ball control. And I wouldn't say it was conservative, but it wasn't kind of the fast break attack we'd seen uh, in his first year. Mm-hmm. Or, or are they going to maybe be more dynamic and maybe go downfield a lot more or – mix it up and, and really score in bunches like they did on the same with the same token. I'm really excited to see this defense, you know, yep. uh, under normal situations. I think you and I would both be biting our nails being like, Oh my gosh, they are out of place. Was it seven starters Yeah, from, from yeah. last year mm-hmm. from what was unquestionably an all time great defense uh, right. for JMU, if not all time great for FCS. Mm-hmm. But as we talked last week and particularly as Greg pointed out, like it's different in that these are guys that maybe haven't played a lot. I mean, clearly haven't played a lot in, in right. several positions, but they've been in the program. We're mm-hmm. not rolling out a bunch of true freshmen. Nope. Um, it's a situation where these guys have been learning under trot. So maybe some of these guys that are, you know, red shirt sophomores, or, they actually have just kind of been perfecting this, unlike in year one under trot in Houston, where most people will tell you they spent a good amount of the regular season trying to break habits and get guys to buy in. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's just it will click eventually I don't know if we're going to have the sort of defense that that Jamie had last year and I'm not sure if we're going to have the offense that they did have two years ago but I think we could see things round in the shape um, a little quicker this year and I'm just I'm I'm excited to see how quickly it happens if we see both units just playing on you know all cylinders on Saturday mm-hmm. I'd be shocked if any team in the country is, is going to look like yeah. a well oiled machine yeah. so I'm not counting on that but i I am curious to see, you know, is it going to be the first couple of games of CAA play or is it going to be like two years ago where it really took until the stretch run and maybe the playoffs or a couple of times when they really got punched in the mouth for things to take hold. So it, it's a fun, it's just kind of a fun time to be a fan. I'm not worried. I legitimately am excited just to see how things evolve and how well, quickly they do so. I laughed, Rob, not because I thought it was overly funny, but actually my very first one for those, this is a little inside the pod that probably nobody cares about but rob and i do individual prep for this but we don't tell each other in advance what we each come up with and the very first thing i wrote down was how excited i was to watch a team come together yeah that um you know two years ago that was kind of where we were and it built as the season went along and that was really exciting and last year i think we all knew we had a really great team on our racket right i mean that we just we kind of knew from day one and we certainly knew once we played east carolina bar the door kind of and yeah and, and there wasn't this – it was like, can they keep it at this level? This, whereas this year, you know, I'm not, not downplaying the Duke's chances this weekend. I'm just saying that it will be fun to watch this team grow this season. And you made a point about not having a bunch of true freshmen. It's funny, as young as this team or maybe as non-starter experience as this team will be, especially on defense – there's probably we've really only heard maybe Mateo Jackson, maybe the only true freshman that plays significant minutes for quite a while this season. Yeah, um, I think we're going to see know, a lot of guys suit up. Yeah, and maybe get some reps. Right, but maybe more on that four-game threshold, or see how they come along, and maybe later in the season. But this weekend, I'm not expecting to see a, a ton of true freshmen out there. No, that not at all. And and then I did have that combination. You were saying you were excited to, to see it come together. I, it's funny. I've been so excited for the last couple of weeks, just as we head for the season, the NC state being the game being down here. But today I did for the first time, have a, you know, a few moments of dread sort of <laughs> like the back and forth of being excited for the game and being all of a sudden being like, Holy crap, they're playing NC state. You know, yeah, like, this I'm is... nervous about this. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I don't want to tell people what to do, but I, I think we need to caution people not to read too much into this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, if things, this is not, an ECU or 
SMU situation, you know, programs that were FBS in name only, you know, ECU right. was great. I, I think objectively, if you look at the rosters and certainly looking back in hindsight, that was not an upset. That was not JMU elevating its game to beat a better team. That was JMU was a better team, went down there, took care of business. Yeah. Um, it, the Dukes are going to need to elevate their game to beat NC State. This is a legitimate team. This is a real, um, I'd say probably even better than that North Carolina team with Trubisky. Yeah, uh, I think a couple so years too. Ago. I, mean, I think Trubisky and they had that uh, Ryan Switzer. I mean, they had some NFL talent. Was that the tight end too? I mean, they had some NFL talent at the Didn't have a lot of defense. On offense. Lot of defense. But yeah, yeah. overall, I, I think this team is more solid all the way around. And for fans, I mean, we, we saw a lot of fans this week who watched some or all of the North Carolina A&T Jacksonville State game last week in week zero and, and sort of saying, like, these teams are terrible. You know, neither one of them should be ranked. Yeah, that, it's week it's one. It's also week one, right? Yeah. yeah. And they're playing a game a week before anybody else. Um, and and I, lest we forget, you know, JMU was not clean last year at East Carolina. No. Right? I, no. I mean – they had turnovers. They had problems. Penalties. And yeah, pen- a lot of penalties. I expect expect quite a few penalties again this yeah. weekend. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just think it's worth being excited to watch them start growing into whatever they're going to become this season and, and not getting, you know, not just getting so upset with every play, uh, whether it's this weekend or the next couple of weeks. And certainly if things go Jamie's way, I will be as excited, if not more excited than, yes. than the average fan. <laughs> Yes. But let's yeah. also think back where uh, I don't think Houston is the type of guy who runs a program where they're just going to put it all on the line for one game and then disappoint, you know, but, but we have seen that kind of happen before the mm-hmm. best FBS team Jamie ever beat Virginia right. Tech's orange bowl team was what Jamie goes six and five that year. Didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Six and six, so, six and five. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So whatever. I mean, I, I don't think that's really an apples and apples comparison. Nope. Um, but they won the championship saw, when they lost to Carolina. They yeah, did not we, win the saw, championship when we beat East Carolina. So, we all yeah. get excited about these opportunities for JMU to play ACC schools or, or big time FBS programs, but it's a, it's a you know one game at a time is a cliche and something coaches say for a reason. So <laughs> yeah. let's try to stay medium, as they say this week. Yeah. we'll have fun. Let's, Hopefully, we're celebrating a win. But there, there are bigger things, and most of the season really starts after this weekend. Yeah, let's save our freaking out probably until William and Mary. Yeah, in September, right? Yeah, yeah. So for second down, um, I am really excited to see the defensive line and whether the front seven can get generate more pressure this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying they have to. Uh, you know, this first couple seasons, I I think JMU for the most part in almost every game, with the exception of North Carolina, they have been just the flat out better team, more talented team, almost every week. Just you know, when you go up and down a roster yeah, and they've, you know, been content to play read and react football. And, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, whatever Trot's doing to read what the offense is going to do, but I think this year they've got a group of players and they've got a group of talent with the defensive backs they have that they, you know, feel probably more confident than ever that they can leave them on an Island a little bit, the inexperience they have at linebacker, and the hype they have around this defensive line and, and certainly the gleam you see in Coach Houston's eye talking about the D-line uh, with Rondell Carter kind of assuming the leadership position. It, it would be really exciting. I mean, it has been since the D.J. Bryant days, you know, and then when you went back to Arthur Motes and that team, there have been some JMU defenses in the past that could really pressure the quarterback from the defensive end position. Yeah. And I, I'm really excited to see if maybe JMU is going to turn it up a little bit this year in that regard. Yeah, and I, I think you also have guys like, like John Daka who are, it appears might be in kind of a situational pass rushing role, mm-hmm. almost like a pass rushing specialist. Yep. Um, you know, so, and we've heard in both scrimmages that there were guys getting after the quarterback and then the jersey zone you know, would have been four or five sacks. So yep. that's potentially something that, that really can be a difference maker, particularly when you're looking at some of the teams like you know, New Hampshire with a really prolific passing attack this year. Mm-hmm that can make a huge difference. So Yeah, that's exciting. So what about you, Rob? Third down. Well, this is going to be no surprise to anybody who's listened to me or, or had the misfortune of being with, with <laughs> us at a tailgate. I am really excited to see a healthy Riley, Riley Stapleton enter the season as, as, you know, the number one receiver, along mm-hmm. with Eldridge, who I love. People also right. know, like, I, I think he's, last year, I just, he did not get enough credit for how consistent he was and, 
the guy who just moved the chains and could do it inside and outside. But I really think the sky is the limit for Stapleton. I, I'm a little bit concerned that, like Chase said, that we as a fan base might be setting the expectations unreasonably high. Mm-hmm. But we saw him do things against North Dakota State that offensive players do not do against North Dakota State. Right. You know, um, it's just, I, I really think the sky's the limit for this guy. And I think he's going to be aided tremendously, obviously, by Eldridge and mm-hmm. by Sims' emergence, Sims. Mm-hmm. but by the running game. I mean, it's, yeah, I think so it, if, if JMU is fortunate enough to get, you know, multiple guys going, you know, mm-hmm. Eldridge and Riley catching the ball and, geez, pick your poison at running back. If any one of those guys gets going, what are you going to do? Uh, defensive yep. coordinators are just head spinning. Um, you, can't put, you can't put somebody on an island against Stapleton, but then you you got to kind of stock the box, stock the uh, stack the box to try to stop this rushing attack, um, if it all plays out like we see, like or like we hope it will. So, I'm just really excited. I guess that's kind of my one way of saying that the potential of this offense, but in particular, I think we could see some crazy things from Stapleton, yeah, um, like we saw in a couple of the playoff games last year. I will say I wrote um, I started to write Riley because I always write Riley, mm-hmm. and then and then I did pull it back a little bit because I was concerned at least this weekend um, about the quarterback situation. Yeah. And that's not a knock on either guy. It's just that timing we haven't seen these guys. Right. Yeah. We haven't seen these guys in this setup. And, you know, last year, which the way Shore and Stapleton got on a, uh, you know, just that wrecking ball that they became starting with Weaver state through the last three games, uh, you know, it's hard to think that this team's going to be clicking like that necessarily this weekend but I certainly hope so because um, I do think he's just such a unique weapon at the FCS level and it will be really, <laughs> yeah, my, my expectations for him are also through the roof. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, on that note, I guess I'll take my, uh, the last one here and I will say staying on offense. I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited to see Carden Johnson back on the field. Yeah. And, and I think the combination of him and Marcus Marshall, along with a line that is legitimately, seven deep and have all played meaningful, you know, considerable meaningful minutes and the way that they've rearranged shuffled this line. They have some big guys playing on the inside of this line Mm -hmm. this year. I mean, not to mention the guys playing tackle, but you know, even on the way they've shifted some guys that played a lot of tackle last year into the guard positions. I'm just so excited to see a fully healthy card Johnson and Marcus Marshall with a line that, really should gel quickly this year and and see maybe what kind of damage this team can do. And maybe it'll look more like the Cardin Johnson, Khalid Abdullah team from two years ago. Yeah. Particularly with Marshall, because I think a lot of people fall into the trap. We as fans, I I know I've done this where we think the running back position is simpler than it is. (laughs) You know, we're like, Oh, you know, it is people like, Oh, you just, you know, everything's facing forward. So people say it's relatively simpler than other positions on the field. It still takes time to adjust. And Marshall has been quoted this year saying, like, it took him time to adjust to the difference between what JMU was running and a very particular option attack he had at Georgia Tech. Sure. Um, but when he got it last year in the mm-hmm. playoffs, it was like, you know, shades of Khalid Abdullah. Yeah. And, and to think that he's coming in with a full understanding of the offense, which I'm not knocking him. I mean, he admits it. He didn't have last year for much of the season. Mm-hmm. And he was splitting reps and so on and so forth. So I think now you've got him and Johnson and Sharp and, you know, Percy, if Percy ends up, you know, playing the full season or if he doesn't redshirt, who all get it and all mm-hmm. can do it. And then Juwan Hamilton mm-hmm. has all the talent in the world and already appears to be ready to make an impact as a returner. So um, I, I think I think we're in for a special treat to see Marshall running the ball this year. Oh, yeah. And, and I think it'll be fun to see maybe how they – get more of those guys onto the field if there yeah. are some, you know, and we may see, it would not surprise me if we do see a considerable, a considerable amount of those kind of wrinkles against NC Tate this weekend. Yeah. Cause they won't be, you know, I, I don't think they're too worried about having to put all that stuff on film the next couple of weeks before they get back into CAA play. So this really is, if they're going to roll the dice with the playbook, I think, you know, at least for the first four games, this is the game to do it in. So that, that would be exciting too. Yeah, and it's also just exciting to see how the offensive line matches up against what will probably be the, the biggest and fastest defensive line they'll face at sure. least until the playoffs. Sure. So. Yeah, no, I don't think any doubt about that. Yeah. Um, 
Rob, all right. So two things that we are concerned about or most interested in sort of heading into this weekend and the season. Um, I don't know if you want, you want to start us off again. Sure. I, I guess I, I don't know if you want to say this is a concern or something <laughs> I'm interested in, but the obvious one, the quarterback play. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel slightly hypocritical leading off with this after <laughs> you know, all offseason being like, I'm not concerned, I'm not concerned. I trust the coaches. I, I still do. I know they will make the right choice. Mm-hmm. But I find it a little bit odd that it's gone this far. I, 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 don't, I didn't expect them maybe to make a public announcement. Right. But unless, you know, all of the <laughs> – you know, Medea and everybody else are kind of in on the thing, they've still been splitting first-team reps. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not, like, worried or losing sleep. But um, it's a little bit odd to me that we still don't know who's going to be the guy. And mm-hmm. – they haven't been working out exclusively with the first team. The optimist in me says that we really just have two guys bringing it and mm-hmm. they're, they're pushing each other every day in practice. Um, but again, it's the, the realist or pessimist in me is like, what's, what's going on is why hasn't one guy, you know, really elevated himself to the top of the depth chart. We mm-hmm. saw with Connor Mitch a couple of years ago, you know, he's like, Oh, it's competition. But then if you talk to people inside the program or any other parts, yeah. like, it's really not that close. You know, they're, they're dragging it yeah. out and letting Shore's it play through. Good. But Shore's looking good. Right. Um, so, I don't know. But then from the, the positive perspective, mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see which direction the offense goes based on who wins the job. Uh, you know, yes. the, the downfield attack and playing to Johnson's strength right. or more of that kind of um, RPO type type offense mm-hmm. you might be able to run with Danucci. So, it's – I'm kind of waiting with bated breath like everybody else <laughs> in the fan base. Yeah. Uh, I trust that – We'll get a guy, I think. Both the guys seem more than capable. But I, I really thought that we'd know by now. I thought we'd know going into this week. Yeah, and who knows? I, I You know, I Mickey used to do this a lot, and we were frustrated because a lot of times it seemed like he'd already made the decision, but he kind of determined that the FBS game, he would play both guys. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe this year it's more of a case of let's give both guys three or four series in a row and see who looks good against a real team. I, yeah. I, you know, this I don't could, know. This could be the competition this week. Right, right. and Because it, it's it's hard to say when you're in practice and you're working on specific things and when the skill sets are so different, as we've seen. So who knows? Um, yeah, I, 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 that obviously wrote quarterback play, too. Um, but my biggest one, and this is really a concern throughout the season, but certainly this weekend, is always injuries. And mm-hmm. I'm not just thinking of like an injury to a big player, but there's a lot of younger or sort of role play guys stepping up. Right, guys, we're expecting to step up. You already talked about a guy like Josh Sims, um, or Fernando. Somebody yeah. Fernando, right? Yeah. Seeing what Curtis Oliver looks like coming back onto the field. Yeah, you know some of the guys that are going to play at linebacker. Like, we need those guys healthy. You know, and I, I just would really—it's not just about Riley Stapleton and Jimmy Moreland. It's it's the whole team, and and I really, you know, you never want to. I don't know what it will look like. And this year, maybe I'm just nervous. I'm sh- I know that this team is deeper. At least my sense is that this team is deeper than almost any JMU team we've ever seen. It, certainly the program as a whole seems to be trending in that direction, even if there's a particular position group that's not so deep. But you, you just don't know. And because I don't even know some of the guys, you know, haven't seen a lot of game action from some of the guys stepping into the more starting roles, I don't know what's behind them either. And Last year, they obviously had to do a lot of shuffling, and they were able to do it. And uh, that's just always a concern this part of the season. Whether it's NC State or Norfolk State, you know, um, you don't want to lose a guy in either one of those games. So, No, you don't want to lose a guy at all. And, and part of that is JMU has had injuries the past couple of seasons, but mm-hmm. they've been so fortunate in that with maybe a couple exceptions, with only a couple exceptions, guys have stepped right in, and things haven't really missed a beat. You, right. you know, like – and you kind of wonder, like, part of that should give, just give us confidence as fans. Like, Houston and the coaches have these guys so drilled. It's next man up mentality. But sooner or later, you got to think. I mean, injuries derail teams at every level, no matter how well you're prepared. Um, yeah. So you just you really hope that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is, particularly heading into these FBS games, that's my big thing. I always just want to come out healthy. Uh, wins are terrific, and that's mm-hmm. obviously what I will be rooting for. But at the end of the day, you really just need to come out healthy and, and be ready to go back the next week and build into CAA play. Well, and yeah, it's funny you're talking about Houston. I, you know, the magic of Houston, at least in fans' minds. I mean, I think back to North Dakota State 
two years ago at the Fargo Dome and then ultimately the championship against Youngstown. And that was when we had that big batch of suspensions mm-hmm. to the starters come up. And I just thought, oh, man, this is really, you know, this is a terrible much. time. For too, this. Much. too much. Yeah, yeah they're not going to overcome this. And they play the best game they've played in the whole time Houston's been here. And obviously didn't have any. And they even lost a couple guys. In the know, game. In the game. And yeah. then even in the – they lost, I think, Holloway at the beginning of the national championship game. Yep. And just rolled right on through Youngstown, no problem at all. So, as much as I would be concerned uh, heading into this week, I'm also hopeful that it's like, we got Houston. Let's go, let's go play state. You know? Yeah, so. but, but that kind of worries me as well. Yeah, like, I, know, I know. Are we all buying – too much into this cult of use. I mean, the results say we we foolish not to, you know. Right. Uh, and Greg's article this morning, which was outstanding, talking mm-hmm. about the culture that Houston and the the entire coaching staff has built, mm-hmm. you know, just reinforces what a great thing we've got mm-hmm. as as a program. But that uh, that article deserves more mention. Anybody who hasn't read that, go read the Greg Medea article on the rivals. Yeah, was seriously, like 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 shut down the podcast. Go yes. read it come back or don't but like it's important you go read that it, he has it will quotes make you... from lenore ryan people yeah. citadel people john bowers is in there like the amount of legwork it took to write that article is incredible <laughs> well it's also it goes back to i don't know if you remember this todd but two years ago when they had the selection show and the citadel was getting bit and they announced that jmu got a seed and they cut to the citadel's players cheering oh, yeah. and standing up when mm-hmm. they heard that, that Houston had made it like that says a lot that, that players who they didn't view it as, Oh, this guy cut and run and screw him. They were like, that's our guy. You know, mm-hmm. that was really, I mean, they're waiting for their big day. They were waiting for their bid, but mm-hmm. to see the sort of impact he has. And like in the article, they say every coach and everybody always says, Oh, it's a family, but he's really gone above and beyond to stress that. Um, yep. I don't know. It's, it's terrific article hats off to Greg for writing it and to everybody that contributed and, I don't know. It's it's just one of those things where <laughs> it is. It's hard not to buy in. Um, yes, and you're foolish not to. Twenty eight and two. Yeah. yeah, it's hard hard to beat. Mm-hmm. All right. So now it, it is uh, crunch time here, Rob. We got to do our season predictions. Uh, I don't know if you want to go first or second, but um, and we were kind of thinking. I I don't know. I mean, I was kind of thinking we predict the regular season and maybe where they stack up headed into the playoffs. I think it's really hard at this point to say. I mean, we all know what our hope is, getting back to Frisco. We all know what the expectation is, probably a, at least a quarterfinal, probably a semifinal berth. Um, but I don't know that it's worth delving too deep into the postseason predictions at this point. Now we're too far no. out at this point. But record-wise, um, what would – I don't know. What would be your expectation headed into well, this season? This it really just continues what we were, what we were just talking about, where – the fact that Jamie was ranked number two in the country when replacing, you know, one of the top three or four QBs in program history, mm-hmm. um, replacing several key contributors at receiver, mm-hmm. uh, replacing its best offensive linemen, seven starters on D, and they're still ranked number two in the country and were the runaway pick to win the CAA. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's kind of crazy. And, and most years under previous coaches, that would lead, that sort of situation on paper would probably equate to, being picked second or third in the CAA, mm-hmm. you know, with UNH, but it just shows like JMU and North Dakota state have separated themselves from the pack in the minds of fans and voters where they truly are viewed as programs that as the saying goes, reload instead of rebuild. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it sounds crazy when you go over what I just said with all that they're replacing to be like, are they really number two? But I, I mean, without, what we've seen from this program and the culture that, that has been built and the results on the field. Mm-hmm. And the other year with looking at what we've, what we've got, I'd say seven and four or, mm-hmm. or you know, maybe eight and three. Mm-hmm. But I think, I, I think given that they're playing a really good FBS team and the CAA is better this year, I mm-hmm. think top last year, the CAA, I think probably had five or six playoff defenses Mm-hmm. But not all those defenses had even <laughs> marginal offenses. <laughs> right. I mean, even William and Mary was a darn good defense. You know, it, right. it was tough. But this year, I think the CAA has some teams that could go deep. Mm-hmm. Um, all that said, I, I still think like nine and two in a seed is certainly possible. And, and mm-hmm. that's kind of my expectation. Uh, 
I'm I'm not ready to count this weekend as a loss, but I think it's probably pretty likely, you know, that JMU will not pull off the upset. And then I don't see them running the table in the CIA this year. Um, I think they will get tripped up by one team, but I don't think two teams are going to beat them. Mm-hmm. So I, I think nine and two and a seed is is kind of where, where I'm landing. Yeah, that's really funny. I, I will actually go one better. I, I think nine and two is my expectation for this mm-hmm. team. I think uh, maybe the most rational part of me would say maybe they lose this weekend and maybe they get knocked off one other time in CAA play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can really see them going 10 and one this year. When I really sat down and like looked at the whole schedule, I just couldn't kept, I kept coming back to maybe they lose this weekend and, but I couldn't find another game where I would pick against them, you know, even in the CAA. And oh, that's I, not, wouldn't, that's I not, wouldn't pick yeah. against them, but right. I, I, but I think yeah. there's several teams that if they brought their a game or just caught some breaks, mm-hmm could beat them. I don't know if I would have said that last year. Last year, I thought teams would really need to have things break their way in, in a big-time fashion right. to beat JMU. And two years ago, forget about it. I didn't see anybody keeping up with JMU. Well, and for me, the schedule's a little weird in that, it, it, you know, it's not the greatest schedule for JMU in terms of home, home road. They only have five home games. They don't have a lot of, like, real sexy home games. Uh, or, so, you know, they're going to play – we're going to play at New Hampshire. They're going to play at Richmond, um, play at Villanova. But they also don't get Delaware, Villanova, or New Hampshire until I, I fully, when I kind of looked at them and how they progressed through the first month, they don't, none of those teams like snuck onto the September schedule this year. And I just really think that JMU is going to develop into a better team itself by the time they get to, I, I, to me, those are the probably the, the three games on paper that scare me the most are Delaware, New Hampshire, and Villanova. Do we have Delaware this year? Uh, oh, no, we don't have Delaware. No, we don't. No, no don't, don't have Delaware. So, but what scares yeah. me is regionally, that could be very likely a playoff matchup. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see when we get there. Mm-hmm. So, um, who knows? Maybe A&T will uh, do what they did a couple years ago and and <laughs> lose their way in the MEAC in, back into the playoffs. Back into the playoffs. Yeah. Back into the playoffs. <laughs> who knows? But, uh, yeah, it, it's certainly possible. Um yeah, I forgot about that. But but they don't get New Hampshire or Villanova till I, I, I just think by the time they get to Villanova, they're going to be – that's mid-October. I, I think they're going to be what whatever they will be for the most part. And I I don't know. For me, I think 10-1 and one is is – I'm pretty pretty high on that right now. So no, we'll that, see what happens. That's a good point about the way the schedule lays out. It's never easy to go to New Hampshire. That, that's a notoriously no. difficult place to play. Um, but there is advantage. You don't want to be up there in November. Mm-mm. But maybe going up there, you know, when you got a couple games under your belt and they've kind of matured and found themselves, mm-hmm. it it's about as good a situation as you can get with a road game in Durham. Yeah, know, that's, so. yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, so that's anyways, that's how that's where Rob and I stand somewhere between nine and two and ten and one. Uh, that's pretty high, pretty lofty expectations. We realize that. But certainly uh, nothing we haven't seen before. Yeah, but you know we're we're going to be getting latest. slammed from some people being like undefeated, undefeated. So oh yeah, of course, of course, and, and that's uh, expected. But and, and then our more pessimistic friends will say eight and three would have been fine, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I think both of us feel like they should get a seed. That their goal has to be win the CAA, get a seed. Everything else after that, you know, doesn't really. I mean, I I think everything else beyond that is gravy, right? Yeah, you know, they, they want to play games at home in the playoffs. And I think for me, uh, that's the thing that I think Houston can keep them motivated through the season towards 10 and one. I don't know if nine and two gets them to a top four seed, uh, you know, 10 and one certainly keeps them almost guaranteed to be in the top four. Definitely. You know, maybe even guaranteed to be in the top two uh, in all likelihood. And that's what Jamie wants the most of all. They're seeking a top four seed as always. And that's not an unrealistic expectation this year. So we'll see. So Rob, you want to introduce overtime? <laughs> well, what, how are we doing this? Like, I guess I kind of stirred yeah. the not stirred the hardest mess. Let's not over. Like, we've right. got a, we've got a very nice and interactive Twitter following. Yes. We don't deal with a lot of trolls. We don't catch a lot of grief. I know everybody talks about Twitter being a cesspool and don't look at your mentions. We're fortunate to have a lot of followers and we get a lot of interaction. And yeah, we're about to ru- ruin that. No, but I mean, yeah, we don't. I don't feel like we catch any grief. Everyone's no, you get someone kind of no. scratches your head, but people disagree yeah. with us and. But yeah. I kind of hit a nerve a little bit yesterday, yes, slightly, um, when I tweeted out that Waffle House is better than In-N-Out. And I got to be honest with you, I wasn't trying to, like, poke the hornet's nest or troll anybody. 
I was, I'll admit it, I was pandering. I was just seeking affirmation. I was kind of having a slow day, and I was like, I just want a bunch of people to agree with me so I can feel good about myself. Right, right. And I was shocked. People acted like that was some sort of blasphemous statement. Um, and I don't get it. I, I really I don't. I don't get it at all. Nope. So we're going to chat about, we, we put kind of an arbitrary limit of 12 bucks. Figure That's like what we will consider cheap eats, so kind of the the best cheap eats or meal you can get for under that. Yeah, I didn't know how to call like, it's not just fast food, but it's like just fast casual slash diner slash, you know, well, yeah. whatever you want. But like, yeah, I just, I don't get this in and out fascination. Yeah. We I wanted just, to say the most overrated and underrated places you can get a meal at that price. Yeah. I mean, and I don't want to go down the road where in and out becomes like our pumpkin beer. No, and, no, and it's we just hate no, 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 no. It's fine. It's just, it's just fine. Stay like it's, west. yeah. Well, yeah. I kind of compare it like, Remember years ago when Fat Tire was like only available in Colorado? Yes. And it's like, oh, Fat Tire. Nobody made such a big deal about it. And then it mm-hmm. came east and I was like, oh, that's, you know, that, eh, that's good. It's okay. You know, yep. It's okay. Um, I just, I, I don't get it. It's just one of these myths that everybody buys into. Like, no, it's so great. It's so great. Like, it's not. It's just okay. Um, right. I don't know. It's. People just believe it, though. And I think what they're really saying is like, hey, and now it's awesome. What they really mean is, hey, I'm in California and you're not. Right. You're either on vacation or something else. So whatever. Fast food with T-shirts is still just fast food. <laughs> That's right. We'll get so, on. So, but anyway, like moving on, like, what do you want to lead off? or No. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to do my most underrated right away and just piss everybody off, too. So, right, yeah. Or I mean, overrated, excuse me. Overrated? Okay. What's yeah. your most overrated? So my most overrated is Chick-fil-A. Which is oh. to me, yeah, I know I'm going to, you're going to, you're going to keep catch flack for that. I know. And I'm not, it's not even that I'm saying it's like terrible. It's just people act like it's the greatest thing in the world on our campus this year where I work, we got like, we went from like having a Chick-fil-A express to having a full service Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. And you'd think that like, you know, they moved the Sistine Chapel to our student centers. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. And it's basically like people it's just like the way mcdonald's was 20 years ago except it's chicken right it's just you know yeah it's tasty and filled with sugar and it's fried and it's fine but it's like we what did we all sour on red meat and so we decided we were gonna have a fried chicken sandwich instead yeah <laughs> it's like I, I don't know i just it's not I, it's not it's not the second coming here well <laughs> i'm i'm, I'm kind of with you like i like chick-fil-a but i like chick-fil-a in the sense like i don't really enjoy fast food that much and i don't want i'm not like some sort of health or i yeah. just don't dig it but like so i will seek out if i'm on a road trip and it's not mm-hmm. a sunday i will right. seek out a chick-fil-a because they've also been able to convince us that oh it's healthier because yeah, it's, it's chicken healthy. but That's it's not it's no. not it's crazy um right but no it, i mean it's i like it's the, the waffle fries but you know come on i like <laughs> it but it's not like people do lose their ever-loving minds when one of those places opens up they do and that's that's yep. just it's over the top nope. we had it all the time I, I went to emory for grad school as you know oh, yeah. chick-fil-a's based there and they used to recruit on campus and stuff like that um and we used to get it for breakfast and i do like it for breakfast the chicken biscuits but again it's just like it's it's a pretty good facsimile of like a really good chicken biscuit that's right that's right you know it's not great but for oh for two dollars yeah it's great and i don't right. need to make it myself okay so all right can, can, can we go like better ones or things that we eat Yes, or things, yes. things that we would eat or seek out. Like, sure. I think if you're looking at, like, in that cheap eats type mm-hmm. type range, um, you got to go with a good taqueria, and not like Chipotle or I mean, don't even get me started on Taco Bell. That's that's like food that is based <laughs> on Mexican food. There's a time and a place. I'm not knocking, yeah. but that is not Mexican food. And I don't want to go down the road of thinking like all Mexican food is cheap because that is not the case. Like, there's very good fine dining Mexico. And Mexican food, but tacos are meant to be kind of a utilitarian, quick, cheap, getting on the go. If mm-hmm. you find a good taqueria, there's nothing better. No, like if you just find like a countertop place where yes. you go in, or just like a little cool dive where you can get a good margarita and a couple tacos and some chips and salsa. Like Taqueria El Poblano, my neighborhood, yep. it's packed every night for a reason. They just yep. crank out really good tacos. It's not crazy. You can get like the crispy or you can get soft tacos. There's like three or four varieties. They make outstanding margaritas and you can get in and out of there. You know, you can get a margarita and a taco for what, 10 bucks. Oh yeah. Bucks. I mean, when I still lived up on a, when I lived in Falls Church, 
up in Northern Virginia mm-hmm. and District Taco opened their brick and mortar place on 29. Yeah. It, like right down the street from my house. It was like the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And have been, much, no El Torito, El Torito yes. coming on yes. day. That's mm-hmm. the best. Like if you go in yep. there yep. and you hear somebody call you a gringo, mm-hmm. you are, you are a good taco place. Like yeah. it should be <laughs> one of those things where like, I mean, it's everybody, yeah. the, the kind of cult of authenticity and blah, 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 blah. But it is good. Like if you're just eating food that, isn't it like you, you want to go to an Italian place where they're speaking Italian and so on and so forth. But like, there's plenty of really good taco taquerias and taco dives. And for my money, that's the best cheap eats. You know, if you're looking at like $2 mm-hmm. a taco and you get in and out with a bunch of buddies and, you know, a sack full of tacos, there's nothing better than that. Well, it's funny that you said it because mine, I was thinking more in the sort of fast food, fast casual thing. Mm-hmm. And I can't, we don't, you know, I live in Greensboro. We don't have a lot of like independent places like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have some really off the radar ones with food trucks or small stores or something like that, but not sort of serving the masses. And um, I, I was just thinking for underrated for me, it was actually Qdoba only because compared to Chipotle, Chipotle. and Lowe's, <laughs> yeah. it's like a whole nother world. Yeah. Right. And I just like it so much better in the sense of actually beginning getting something that starts to approximate an, a good taqueria, you know. So that, that's kind of funny that you said that, Rob. So oh, yeah. You, no, yeah. I, I love it. Well, then the other thing, I mean, for me, like, if you want anything really good where you can just, you can go in sight unseen mm-hmm. and not really know of a place. If, if they, if you're in a state in America that has an SEC football team, uh-huh. just find a joint that advertises in the window that they have a meet and two special. Yes. And you'll be in good hands. Yes. Like, no frills. You just go in there, you get like the fried catfish and the collard greens and the mac right. and cheese. Yep. That's always like. I will always seek out a place like that over a Chick-fil-A, for instance. Yes. And you, you can't go wrong. I mean, like, those places, usually they're kind of, like, run down, no frills. They've been in business forever because they make really simple food mm-hmm. really consistently well. Um, so I went to one in Nashville with my dad, and it was like we just were wandering around. and It was like five blocks from the Ryman. And we just walked in, and it was like the two of us. It was like a couple sweet teas, a couple – you know, meat and two or, or fish and two. I think we both had the catfish that day. And it's fantastic. And if you look around, it's all workers from the neighborhood. You mm-hmm. Again, you're like, okay, I did this right. So, Well, on the other end of the spectrum, I should yeah. point out one more thing. Uh, Robert, you got any more there? Well, I mean, clearly we're, we're building to Waffle House, right? Oh, well, of course. Then let's just okay. finish with okay. Waffle House. I was going to give a local <laughs> recommendation no, no, for the people coming down here this week. like but, Biscuit yeah. King or Biscuit World. Or oh, Biscuitville, place. yeah. You might. Uh, in Raleigh, the Biscuitville's more west of Durham, so most people will probably not venture out quite that far. Um, that's, that's a local breakfast chain down here that's really good, breakfast fast food. Um, no, there's a, there's a place in downtown Raleigh, which is just down the street from the place where the Raleigh Beer Garden is. If anybody's mm-hmm. going to the Friday night JMU event this year, um, called Pools Diner, Ooh. and it's not a diner and it's not cheap. Um, I don't mean to imply that in any way, um, but it is one of those places they don't take reservations. You have to get there right at whatever it is five o'clock when they open, and you wait outside, and then they let everybody in like thirty people at a time, and it is right down the street from the Raleigh Beer Garden place, and they do an exceptional job. I'm sure I, I think I've heard somewhere along the line and now forgotten the chef or owner who started it is someone famous of some kind. Um, but it's great. It won't set you back too much. I mean, it's not a white tablecloth place at all. Um, it is an old school diner and most of the seats are at a bar, a long bar. Oh, nice. um, but it's right down the street from this place on Friday and it's really good. So, yeah, let's get to Waffle House because that's really what started this. And Rob was correct about this. Waffle House is greater than almost everything else you could put on the other side of the greater than sign. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I have friends that would come to blows if they knew people were like dissing Waffle House at all. <laughs> my right. friends, my friends from Atlanta, like, you know, as I said before, I went to Emory. We came from all across the country and we treated Waffle House like it was a treat. Like the Southerners who grew up around there um, or grew up anywhere in the South were, you know, clearly they take us all there and, um, mm-hmm. My friends from other countries, my friends from the yep. West Coast, from the Northeast, like it is ubiquitous in the Deep South. But for half the country, they've never been to one. Um, yeah, it is great, and I'm not <laughs> even kidding. Like, no. it's just so consistent. You go into any one of their like two thousand some odd locations, 
and you're going to get the same chicken melt sandwich that is going to be damn tasty for what yeah. five fifty. Yeah. Um, you're going to get the same sweet tea. The waffles are good. The, the hash browns, like it's just, uh, you, you know what you're going to get. You're not going to get a bad meal and you're going to go from location to location to location. And what you order is going to taste the same. And that's an amazing accomplishment from like a quality control standpoint, not to get too geeky into it, but no. it's, it's good. It's good, reliable food. They're always open. Um, yeah, I was going to say, there's just... no time of the day, 24 hours a day, there's no time of the day when waffle, when you would not find something you want to eat at Waffle House, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. I love that, what is it, FEMA that uses Waffle House? The Hurricane the, Index? The yeah. Hurricane Index, right? If they, the, they know that the only place that will be open is Waffle House. And so if the Waffle House is closed in a particular area, you know some kind of catastrophic natural disaster has occurred. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the whole thing came up yesterday. I don't know how it was, but Sam and I, my, my 10-year-old son, we were sitting on the couch and we were talking about something with food. And somehow we mentioned in now, we'd recently been to, we were in California for a spring break. And he's like, yeah, that was okay. He's like, you have good milkshakes. I was like, okay. yeah, they do. And he's like, it's just, he's like, it was just, yeah. And I was like, okay, I get that. And then we started talking about Jamie football. And he's like, oh, we go to a game this year. We got to go to Waffle House. And I was like, yes. Like, it's just so much better. <laughs> and he's thrown, like, we went. I took him a couple of times and he think it's like, he's, I don't know. I, I was really shocked that people thought we were trolling or, or making some sort of controversial statement. It's not even close in my mind. No, like that, Rob, that, is, I, that is the ultimate consistent cheap eat. Yes. Know? And I, I, is it fair? I don't know about you, but for me, it, it, weirdly it, it ties into JMU for me because mm-hmm. that I did, you know, we grew up in Northern Virginia and did not really have, at least not consistent access. We drove to Florida every spring break to visit my grandparents. Correct. And, and occasionally might have a Waffle House growing up, but it wasn't something in my mind as like Saturday morning after swim meets or something. No. Where when we got to JMU, there's no doubt in my mind that my sort of warm feelings for Waffle House began in Harrisonburg. <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty funny. Oh, yeah. I mean, without a doubt. That, that was one of the things like you kind of get indoctrinated. You feel like you're part of the Jamie community and almost the Harrisburg community the first time some upperclassman or, or some person who's more familiar there brings you to Waffle House after a party. It's like yep. a rite of passage at Jamie. Yeah. And I mean, you can get just... your little grill in the morning, but only for like four hours. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. And then everybody's got, I mean, we've got like Wade Hobbs getting arrested for stealing the case of Dr. Pepper from the, um... <laughs> I don't know if we should say that. But yeah. yes. well, I mean, everybody's got a crazy Waffle listen. House story. Right, right. Listen, yes, yes. You know? Oh, that's um, awesome. I don't know. Um, I just, I, I can't believe that, that that touched a nerve with people. No, I was surprised. So you got anything else, Rob? You just no, excited just, for this um, weekend? Excited for this weekend and safe travels to everybody who's going. I will um, be looking for some Dukes fans in Pennsylvania, my cousin's wedding. Oh. <laughs> but um, yeah. I will be there in spirit. Yeah. And I know you will be there. You're looking forward to it. We've got mm-hmm. some friends. Just shout out to um, the Herons and the Vargas who put together a huge bus of people coming from the rally. I think they've got like, talk to Jamie, they got like 65 people coming yeah, in for Big great. Tailgate. So yeah, that's awesome. Me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I expect a huge turnout. I know the Saturday morning event is sold out. Um, not to say another controversial statement, but I am I much prefer the actual parking lot tailgate to the pregame at a bar. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, but yes, I think a huge contingent of Dukes. We're traveling better and better. Really excited for this weekend. Uh, one final note, totally off the Dukes radar, we should say uh, congratulations. We heard uh, Ross Bowers was named the Cal's starting quarterback. And I can tell you that they opened their season at home this weekend against North Carolina and the Tar Heel fans down here are pretty self-aware that they are going to be terrible. And they are very nervous about the Cal start, starting the season with Cal. So that that's John Bowers, son, uh, former JMU coach. So good for them. And, and former JMU coach who really stepped up the, big time, and held the program together in between mm-hmm. Withers and Houston. So, um, mm-hmm. And he, he, left the program to go spend time with his family and watch Ross play college football. So we are just absolutely thrilled that it's working out and he's getting a chance to see his son start as a senior. So. Yeah. I mean, he remains a, uh, you know, just unrivaled supporter of JMU yeah. on, on social media. And we, we, we all love coach Bowers for that. So yeah, go by pale fire, go by the tap room in Harrisonburg this week, um, pick up some beers, um, pick up some skinny Dennis, some deadly rhythms, some errant IPA, some Village Green, all the good stuff down there. 
Uh, if you mention the JMU Sports Blog Podcast, you get a free pint glass as always. We are looking forward in a few weeks to one or both of us being able to share that time with you. For those of you in Section 15 this week, I will be looking forward to throwing some streamers with you and seeing lots of people, if hopefully Friday, but certainly Saturday morning. Yes. And, uh, yeah, and, and, uh, I, Lancaster, Pennsylvania Dukes, hit me up. I can, I can find you <laughs> yeah. this weekend. Oh, yeah. One other note. I mean, this game's on ESPNU, so most of you have this. Um, if you're not able to make the game, you should be able to watch it at home or at a, at a watering hole. There are plenty of watch parties going on already. Uh, Alumni Association kind of cranking up that list, the Duke Club. I think if you cruise around the JMU websites, you will find one in your area. I noticed even the Pitzers has, are trying to, trying to promote their very own watch party in Frederick, Maryland. So, <laughs> yes, um, you, can, you never know where you might find one. So, yes. yeah, definitely do that. I'm sure there are plenty in the Northern Virginia, D.C., Richmond, Virginia Beach area uh, uh, for those can, of you who can't make the game. Usually yeah. just, just count on A-Town to show it. That's in Arlington, yeah. Um, yeah. I saw, I think there's a big one in Virginia Beach as well. And those guys, some of them are probably not coming down because they're getting ready to host the Norfolk State uh, festivities the following weekend. So anyways, uh, we can't wait. We will see you next week. This time next week, we will be talking about a Dukes football game. Hopefully a Dukes win. To another one. Yes. So you'll get the official Jamie Sports blog prediction for the NC State game on Friday on the blog. Uh, we promise we still write over there. So <laughs> Rob's been carrying us for a while but I will try to um, take over my part of the load. Oh, no, 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 now's the part where we get guest posters to do it all for us. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Usually the highlight so, written more enthusiastic um, guest posts should be absolutely. coming next week. Absolutely. So. so that's about it. I will talk to you next week, Rob. I'm sure I will talk to you on, I don't know if I'll talk to you. You're going to a wedding. So probably on Sunday, I'm sure we will chat about the game. And absolutely. We will talk to all of you next Monday or maybe Tuesday with it being Labor Day. So. All right. Have a great week, everyone. Go Dukes. Start wearing purple, wearing purple. Start wearing purple for me now. All your sanity and wits, they will all vanish. I promise. It's just a matter of time. So, yeah. I'm